I've just got a, um, a great message to share with you today. Pretty excited. And the kids are staying in, so hopefully you guys, you're going to get what I'm on about too. We humans are social creatures. I, I really enjoy this because my, uh, of my other job, I work with insects. I actually work with social insects, honeybees, um, wasps, common wasps, and ants. So we, like them, are social. We're social creatures. And we spend, in our, as social creatures, we spend a lot of time and energy forming connections and bonds and love uh, for one another. When you're, when you're young and when you're single, there's a lot of pressure and expectation to fall in love and to spend the rest of your days happily in love forever after. At a, at a previous job that I was in, and I, w- I won't say where, um, I, was, I was about 30 years old and I remember talking to the CEO, he had just begun as we were getting to know each other, and he, and he, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, are you, are you married? And I said, no. And then he he, again, like he had this kind of like strange look on his face, and he goes, hmm, you don't seem weird. And uh, <laughs> like, rough, eh? What is, uh, no, I, I, I think maybe he was joking. I couldn't be tell, I couldn't retell really because like, I, at that time I was so desperate to be married that it actually really hurt. It was like, a, it really cut me deep, man. You cut me deep. And, um, and, he, and then anyway, five years later, Tessa had the revelation that I wasn't too weird, and... Um, <laughs> And we got married. And marriage is that, you know, is that thing of like two two people that are two two people that are separate becoming one. Like, um, yeah, that's what it is: two separate people becoming one. And it's really interesting, eh? In, in life, how you you spend a lot of time forming bonds with people, and then if you're like me and you wanted to be married, then you know you're trying to um, trying to get married. <laughs> Trying to do what you can, so we form these bonds, and then and then we have this weird situation where bonds get broken. And I've found that one of the hardest things about being a dad so far is dropping off Elena at daycare. Where are you, Elena? If you run away, anyway, the hard, one of the hardest things I've found is actually dropping off Elena at daycare. She um, doesn't want to go, didn't want to go, and she'd often be quite upset when we dropped her off. So she'd be, oh. Man, it makes me emotional just thinking about like like waving out the window, you know, waving out the window, you know, hi Elena, love you Elena, hi. Uh, and so she'd be she'd be crying sometimes, and and then uh, once I got back to the car, I'd be crying too. <laughs> like oh man, why do I have to take my daughter to daycare? Right? Separation is hard. Separation is hard and it's painful and it it cuts the heart. That's what it feels like. It actually cuts the heart. And I was like, this doesn't make sense, God. We put so much effort into forming bonds and love for one another only for there to be separation like that. And I know it has to happen and it's good, but man, and it's hard. And I've I've talked to some other dads and uh, and I know that sometimes that's, or it depends on how well you get on with your kids, I guess, but um, sometimes it continues to be hard. And this, you know, I'm not even talking about, um, about some of the tragic separations that some families go through. You know, some families have go, end up going through really painful and tragic and horrible separations, and I can't begin to imagine that pain. But perhaps, perhaps that comes close to the pain of separation that the father felt when his children, when I talk about for the Father, I'm talking about God, when his children rebelled against him and his love way back in the Garden of Eden. 
God created all things. And the pinnacle, uh, the highest point, the best bit of his creation was, was Adam and Eve, a male and female. His very, they were so amazing. They were like his very own children. And, and he made them in his own image. I think about that. The honor that he's giving them, he's making them in his own image. And he blessed them and he gave them every good thing. Like this is the creator and he, he knows he made everything good and he gave them every good thing to enjoy in the Garden of Eden. And there's this really beautiful image, I really love it, of when God created, uh, created Adam and uh, he created Adam from dirt, dirty dirt. And he, um, and, he, and he takes this like model, I don't know, this clay man and, and, he, and he breathes Breathe the breath of life into the nostrils of this dirt man. And it's, I imagine it like, like God like kissing him. It says, you know, breathe into his nostrils and you've got to get close to the It's almost like he kissed the man to life. Or maybe it was a hongi. I don't know what it was. But anyway, he's like getting really up close and personal. It's like, that's intimate. That's close. Adam and Eve were like his children. And now can you imagine? No, you can't. But you might begin to imagine the pain that God felt when they turned their backs on him. And instead of following his, his loving, divine order and plan, they went, nope, going to do this our own way. Or, you know, we should use some scriptures occasionally. In the words of Genesis 3.6, they took the fruit that the Creator said don't eat and they ate it. This is rebellion. This is turning your back on God. This is saying to God... <clears throat> This is basically saying to God, well, you might have made all things. You might be the creator of all this good stuff that we see around us. You might know everything. You might even love us more than we can possibly imagine. But wait, we know better. <laughs> we know better. In Genesis 3, in Genesis 3, 6, when they took that, fruit, took that fruit and ate it, that's the moment of separation the most brutal, the most tragic separation, and we still suffer from that separation today. It was a separation of humanity from their loving creator and father. And Jesus told a story about a father, and the father had two sons. And like Adam and Eve, the youngest son decided one day that he wanted to do his own thing. And he demanded, he just goes up to his dad, he demands to his dad, Dad, give me my inheritance. He demanded his inheritance early. And if you know anything about inheritance, you know that you've got to wait till your parents pop the <laughs> die, <laughs> till they pass on, to put it in a nice way. You've got to wait till they die before you get inheritance. Um, I'm, I know that my inheritance is like dwindling every time I make fun of dad, but uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> It's like 10% every joke, hey, Dad? Anyway. It's true. Yeah. I'm knocking, knocking your door. So when the son, imagine this, like, you know, you go and talk to your dad. You go, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now. I don't want to wait until you're dead. Like that's saying, that's saying that the most important thing about your relationship with your dad is about the money or the, the inheritance that you get out of it. Imagine that. Like if you're a dad, like, oh my goodness. If, you know, I can't begin to imagine that. It, it probably happens. It, it would hurt, right? <laughs> it would hurt. And then to make matters worse, so the son's claimed his inheritance, and then to make matters worse, the son takes everything, 
takes everything that he has and leaves and he goes overseas with, you know, with the intention, I think, of never coming home. And remember, the inheritance is nothing that the son's earned. This is, like the, this is the father's life savings. This is what the dad's been working for his whole life with the intention of blessing his kids. Anyway, so the son leaves home. The pain of separation for the father must have felt horrible, must have been horrendous. And in the story that Jesus told the son, he spends all the money, he goes off partying, he squanders it, and he completely blows this inheritance. Again, like this is the inheritance that the dad had worked for, and the son just blows it. The only job that the son could find was feeding the pigs. And remember, this is Jesus was telling the story to a Jewish audience, and they weren't fond of pigs. Well, they, maybe they were actually, but they weren't allowed to eat pigs. So they probably would have really enjoyed it. Yeah, I won't go down that track. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. Stay on track, James. And feeding the pigs didn't pay much, and we know this because he didn't have enough to buy food, and he, and he was desperate even to eat what the pigs were eating. What do, eat, what do pigs eat? Oh, I've been to a pig's, pigsty before, and it smells, and they eat slops. It's disgusting. Ugh. So what does he do? Yeah, they can eat anything. That's right, Malachi. They can eat anything. So the son, like, he's not, he's not completely stupid. He goes, hmm, hatches a plan. I'm heading back home. I'm going back to my father. And here's the most amazing thing. And just thinking about it, like, stirs my heart. Even though the son had turned his back, utterly turned his back on his, on his father, the father never turned his back on the son. Never turned his back on his son. When the son got close to home, his father saw him. It says the father saw him and was filled with love and compassion and actually ran towards his son. It's like the son was just waiting. No, the dad was just waiting. Is my son going to come home? Is my son going to come home? Like looking out the window every day, looking down the driveway. Is my, is my son coming home today? And then, his, then he saw him and he's filled with love and compassion and he runs to him and he got this picture of the father embracing his son. And remember, the son had been feeding pigs in the pigsty and pigs smell and they eat everything. And the father, he's, he wraps up the stinky, smelly son that's completely blowing his inheritance. And he goes, get the best clothes out of the cupboard. Put on my very best coat or my sweatshirt, or whatever it is, and put it on my son. He goes, he takes his ring, like this is the ring that represents, you're still part of the family, put that ring on his finger. He even goes, guys, guys, I got some real nice vans back in my cupboard. Choose the very best shoes. I like vans, but you know, you might be more into Nike or whatever you're into. Get the very best shoes, put them on my son. The son was home. And then, and then, <laughs> the dad puts on a party. He puts on this massive celebration and feast. It's crazy. This is nuts. So there's two, story, there's two boys in the story, and there's the older brother. And the older brother looks at this and goes, What the heck, dad? What are you doing? Heck might be a swear word. I'm sorry if it is. What are you doing, dad? Where's the discipline? Where's the consequence? <laughs> Wouldn't you do the same? Wouldn't you do the same? He should be in the naughty corner, Dad. <laughs> you haven't even told him off, Dad. 
It's not fair, Dad. <laughs> and the dad, says, the dad says this to the older brother. To the older brother, your brother was dead. And now he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. That's just an incredible story that Jesus told. When Adam and Eve cut ties with God and headed on their own way, it was an act of betrayal like that son in the story. They wanted all the goodness of God's creation. They wanted their inheritance, but they didn't want God. They didn't want the Father. They didn't want to come under his good and loving plans that the Father had. And you're going, James, James, get back to Christmas. <laughs> What's all this got to do with Christmas? John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's like the most well-known verse for a good reason. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So what's this got to do with Christmas? At Christmas... We celebrate it because 2,000 years ago, God's own son was born. God incarnate, which is a fancy way of saying God in the flesh. God in the flesh, like uh, skin and bones, lots of muscles. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, we sang that. Oh, I love that little chorus that you sang this morning about Emmanuel. God here with us. God here with us. Just as he promised, he did through all the Old Testament, through prophets and songwriters and seers. He promised he would come. And then, in the beginning of the New Testament, <laughs> the year zero, 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 he comes. Just as he promised he would. And it's like the pain of separation was so unbearable for God the Father that he comes. That he comes. God himself comes to us so that we no longer need to be separated from him. And in the birth of Jesus, you could, maybe you can imagine it. Like it's, it's as though the Father himself is running down the road towards, towards us, towards the Son that rebelled against him. We have all rebelled against God, and yet he never turns his back on us. Can you, ah, this is a phenomenal, just crazy thing. He never turns his back on us. Instead, he comes to us, and he comes to us because he loves us. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And you know, we continue to experience this pain of separation that happens when we love other people. And it continues to hurt, and I know one day <laughs> that Elena's going to leave home. And it's going to hurt. I'm already experiencing that future pain now. That's not a good way to live. That's not a good way to live. I don't encourage that. You could, you could, you could think about the last couple of years as being a series of separations because of COVID. Uh, lockdowns, uh, separations from other people, MIQ, social distancing, the current restrictions that we're facing, they're all designed because we're social creatures and viruses, you know, the design for social creatures, basically. Careful of how I say that, but um, the current restrictions we're facing, they're all designed to limit the spread of disease by separating people. At, at the heart, that's what they're all about. And so I know there's people watching from home because we've reached the limit today and you weren't able to be here. We're separated. Christmas can be a really hard season for a lot of people because at Christmas you often might remember loved ones who've, who've died that passed on 
Or there are other, other people that you can't be with. It's this like moment of, of separation, and separation is hard. But here's the most wonderful news of all. God loves us. God loves us. Our Creator loves us. And nothing, no thing, in Spanish it's nada, nada separates us from the love that God has for us. Book of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God and Christ our Lord. At Christmas we celebrate that the impossible distance between God and humanity was eliminated when Jesus came, God in the flesh. So today, you might be here, you might be separated from God. And there's an invitation to you. The Father is waiting for you. His arms are outstretched with love towards you. And all you need to do is turn back towards him. And give your life to him. And in your own words, from your own heart, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, whether you've lived a party life like the younger son. <laughs> All you need to do is kind of, you can make up your own words, but I wonder if this is quite a good prayer. God, Father, I'm coming home. I'm sick of hanging out with the pigs. I'm coming home. And you know, in the story, when the younger son returns home, there's this massive party that's put on. And it says, Jesus says, that all of heaven is filled with joy when someone repents and returns to God. There's this party that happens. I reckon, Graham Rosemary, when you go to Northern Africa, there's going to be parties in heaven. There's going to be celebrations in heaven, eh? We've been journeying through this uh, season of Advent, and the word Advent comes from a, a Latin word, Adventus, which means coming. It's a season of looking back at Christmas and then and then remembering and keeping our hope pinned on the idea that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And all the separations that we experience will be over. All those separations. No more daycare. <laughs> no death. Instead, eternal life in God forever. Unity is the opposite of separation. Unity in God forever. Death, sin, sickness and disease will be separated from God in this perfect life, this unity forever. Imagine it, just separating the separations. <laughs> As children of God, we get to take hold of that future today. And we get, get to begin living towards that future, the, the future where there's no more separation today. The future era has been breaking in. This future kingdom of God has been breaking into the present, into the present era, era since the time of Jesus, since Jesus himself inaugurated it, since he's brought it onto planet Earth. And if we think about separation, thinking about separation, we go, oh, okay, God, and you're a good future for us. Then we're not separated. There's no, there's no restrictions, right? Because there's no covid Whatever it is, how do we live towards that future today? You think about it. How can we live towards a future of no separations today? I'm not talking about breaking the law. I'm talking about very practical ways. In a very real way, a supernaturally natural way, 
is to simply look for ways to connect with other people and to show love to other people. Some people are, are on their own this Christmas. Some people are doing Christmas on their own that you might know of. Can you welcome them into your Christmases, into your Christmas celebration this Christmas? And think to yourself, this is the future kingdom of God breaking into the presence. And you get to bless that person. If you know of people who haven't been able to come along on Sundays because of uh, you know, the uh, people number, maybe you can reach out to them. Maybe you can you know, see if there's anything helpful or encouraging you can do, you can do for them. Maybe, maybe even now as I'm saying this, there's, you're getting a prompting in your mind. You're just remembering, oh yeah, there's somebody I can get in touch with. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does the business. Ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, in your divine future, in your future kingdom of God, we will all be one. Can you show me how I can partner with you today to bring your kingdom to earth today? Isn't that cool? It's just a practical thing. Celebrating Christmas, getting together with people, even people you don't get on with. Old uncle, what's his name? <laughs> the awkward uncle, there's always one. It's actually me and our family. <laughs> Invite him along to Christmas. Be nice to him. It's only for one day. You can do it. You can do it. God, give me strength so I can hang out with Uncle James. <laughs> He's such a nerd. <laughs> God loves us, and that's why we have Christmas, and I'm coming into the end. You've been great. Thanks, everybody. But I want to finish with these words from Bishop Desmond Tutu. You might have heard of him. He grew up in South Africa under, under the demonic system of apartheid, which means apart, a system of being apart. But he was a man that was living towards God's future where all are one. <laughs> And he lived and he constantly lived towards that future and now he's living in, that, in a sense in that future where there's you know, no apartheid. I know they've got loads of issues still, but no apartheid. And he wrote this book and it's called God Has a Dream. <laughs> I haven't read it. I, I should. And this is what he says. And, I, and I'm just going like, to speak these words of, um, of the bish, Desmond Tutu, and encourage you just to receive them as though he's talking to you. This is what he writes. Dear child of God. I write these words to you because we all experience sadness. We all come at times to despair and we all lose hope that the suffering in our lives and the world will never or ever end. I want to share with you my faith. There is no such thing as a totally hopeless case. Our God is an expert at dealing with chaos, with brokenness, with all the worst that we can imagine. Amen? God created order out of disorder, cosmos out of chaos, and God can do so always, can do so now, in our personal lives and in our lives as nations, globally, indeed, God is transforming the world now through us, because God loves us. We're going to sing some more carols. Do you want to stand and I'll, I'll pray? My, my prayer today is that we would, all of us, encounter the love of God in a profound and new way this Christmas. The best Christmas present is not what you're going to open up on Saturday, but it's that gift of love from God. It changes everything. Holy Spirit, 
Thank you that you're here with us. Jesus, thank you that you're Eman- you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that this Christmas we look back to you coming in the flesh. We look back that you, you eliminated that separation between us and you. That your arms are constantly open towards us, ready to embrace us, ready to welcome us into your arms and into your family. And may we all experience your goodness this Christmas. May we experience your love. May we all experience your love. The love that overflows and a love that overflows from our hearts to those who we're with. Lord, so that we might be people, people of promise, people that are living towards your future, that future kingdom of God. People that are like bringing, bringing people together. People that are, are going, no, separation is not part of our good future, but finding ways of connecting with others and blessing others, being the hands and feet of Jesus. As we enjoy you and your love and your goodness, Thank you, Father. And may you bless our voices, Lord, as we sing this next, uh, these next songs. <laughs> we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen.